good evening. Welcome here to Grace Baptist Church. I hope you are doing well on this Wednesday. Uh, I'm Pastor Jay, and it's a privilege to be with you once again here and uh, on this format online to be able to share some thoughts with you from Scripture tonight. And I hope you are, again, doing well. I know these are still some interesting days that we live in, and I certainly pray that you and your family are doing well. If you're finding us for the first time, we thank you and welcome you uh, to our to our ministry. We thank you for joining us tonight. There is, wherever you're watching us tonight, there should be a place down at the bottom where you can fill out a visitor card, some visitor information, and introduce yourself to us. We would like to have the opportunity to uh, to get to know you and also maybe respond to you if you have any questions about our ministry. I would also invite you to visit our website at gracenc.org. Again, that is gracenc.org. You can go on our website, find out more about our church and our other ministries, and you also can contact us through our, uh, our website as well. Let me also, as I do each and every week, just thank you for your faithful financial support to our ministry so we can continue to provide not just this content, but our other means through which we are ministering to folks right now. And uh, this has uh, been, I'll just say, this has been a very active week of ministry for us, and uh, we've had a, a lot of uh, interaction with some folks in our community this past week. It's been an exciting week of ministry, and I hope that uh, you can help us by continuing to support us financially to let us do what God has called us to do. We are studying through attitudes, and I've heard from several of you that you have commented that this series has been a particular help to you, and I certainly praise the Lord for that. And we have arrived at session number 11, and we have been rotating between a sinful attitude that we have to uh, put off and put away, and then looking at a replacement attitude. And so last week, we studied the attitude of rebellion, and we looked at some biblical examples of rebellion and what that looks like. And probably when I say the word rebel, you probably get a particular image in your mind, whatever that image may be to you, of what a rebel looks like. The reality is in each and every one of us, there is a heart that is often rebellious. And we don't readily like to be told what to do. We don't particularly always like others, people from outside of us, asking us to do something or being under someone else's authority. And some people struggle with that certainly more than others. But for all of us, there's probably some degree in our in our spirits that lead us to the place where we at times reject or resist authority. So tonight, we're going to talk about the issue of having an attitude of submissiveness. And before I get into tonight's text, I got a a kind of a few sort of caveats to tonight because this is such a huge topic and I'm sure that I'm going to create some questions in your mind and probably many of you are going to, in your thinking, you're going to come up with a very long list of what ifs and what are the exceptions to when we um, submit And so we're not going to really talk about that a lot, okay? But I will say that when we get to human authority, we certainly want to understand that there are times that we do reject a human authority if they're asking us to do something that violates Scripture or something that violates 
um, one of God's moral commandments. And so I want to say that up front, that when it comes to our submission to human authority, there are times that we can, in a right spirit, reject that commandment, okay? I will say this before we go too far down this road. Those times are relatively rare, okay? And so we want to make sure that while there are uh, times that we don't have to submit to a human authority that we want to look at predominantly in our day-to-day living, that we are to submit ourselves to the human authorities that God has given to us. And we'll get to that in just a second. Before we talk about human authority, though, I really want to also make a second sort of caveat to tonight's session is that understanding all of our submission to people is under really God's authority, all right? So we are all, as believers in Christ, we are under the authority of God. God is our ultimate authority. As scripture writers say, Hebrews and other places, talks about the fact that we are to fear God rather than man. We are to ultimately obey God, and very often in our day-to-day living, we obey God within the context of human uh, leaders that God has given to us that we are called to submit to. Now, a third caveat, if you will, we are not going to spend really any time tonight talking about the authority within the Christian home, all right? Certainly, we know Scripture teaches us that there is a delineation of responsibility within the home, and we know that God's Word is clear about that, particularly when it comes to children obeying their parents and honoring their parents. So we're not really going to talk a lot about the Christian home per se. We're not going to really talk a lot about the exceptions to some of the human authority issues. I may mention one or two as we go through uh, the next little bit, but predominantly we're talking about God's authority being supreme in our lives, and then under God's authority, he has given us human authorities that he has called us to obey. I'm going to be working tonight from a text of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to read, first of all, verses 11 and 12, and then we're going to get to, um, just very briefly tonight, two areas of human authority that I want to talk to you about tonight and how we live in submission to these two God-ordained places of human authority, all right? So some of us are in some of these positions of authority, but all of us to some degree are under a human authority. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let me build the context of what Peter is talking about in his first book, chapter 2, verse 11. Peter says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against the soul. Now listen to verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Now, Gentiles here, that word can take on a couple of different meanings, but here he's talking about those that are outside of the church, okay? We want to make sure that we are living in a way that we are honorable, we are respectful. He says, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I read those verses to predominantly get our mindset toward 
living a life that is honorable, a life that is um, subject to human authority. Now, in in Philippians, rather, chapter 3, verse 20, we find this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here in Philippians 3 is talking about the fact that we are ultimately citizens of heaven. However, we are also citizens who live among humanity. We live among other people. So the first human authority that Peter is going to talk to us about in verses 13 and uh, down through about verse 17 is actually the issue of human authority in the form of government. Now, let's listen to what Peter says in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake, okay, for the sake of your testimony, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Listen to verse 15. For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. The first human institution that God says that we are to obey is, in fact, in the form of human government. Now, let me put tonight's recording in a little bit of historical perspective. As I am teaching through this, just a couple of weeks ago now, our nation went through a very contentious presidential election. We are in an election year. We just came through that. I am, as I talk to you tonight, I am working under the assumption that Joe Biden is going to be the president-elect and that he is going to become the president of the United States in January. Now, regardless of your political persuasion, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's really not, uh, I'm really not going to get into that tonight. That's really not the purpose. But whether or not you voted for Donald Trump or whether or not you voted for Joe Biden, I want to remind us as believers that regardless of who may be in political power, we are called to be good citizens of this nation. We are called to honor those who have been placed in position of human authority. And here in this text, Peter, and we see this in other places as well, Paul talks about it too, that we are given the the uh, the plea here or the commandment here that we are to obey human authority. Now, as Christians, I think, in fact, in fact right before we started recording uh, here in the studio, we were talking about where we stand in regard to the rapture and the coming kingdom of, of God. I am of the persuasion that it, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, I believe in a literal 1,000-year reign of Christ. And here's the issue for us, and here's the danger for folks that hold the pre-trib position like I would, is that we don't want to look at the world we live in and say, you know what, I'm out of here anyway. I'm, I'm going to be raptured from this mess. I mean, look at the state of things as they are in the world. There's political turmoil. There's 
all kinds of riots erupting all over our country and others. There's vaccines that are coming out that some people are going to refuse to take and others are excited, believing that it's going to be a good thing. We live in a very tumultuous time. And so it's very tempting for us as believers to kind of check out mentally and not be engaged in the political process of our country, not to be a good citizen of our country and to be a good American citizen. And sometimes we can become we can become callous to what's going on around us because of our pre-tribulation eschatology. At least that's where I am coming from. And there are times that we can look at it and say, again, what concern is it to me? I'm not worried about politics or I'm not worried about human authorities. We better not come to that conclusion too quickly because Peter tells us to submit ourselves to every human institution. And in this case, he talks about the emperor. In fact, later on, he says in verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood. Those that are part of the body of Christ, love them. And he comes back and he says, fear God. Okay, ultimately, I'm going to honor everyone. In other words, I'm going to be respectful. Even if I disagree with somebody politically, even if I disagree with somebody uh, who has a different persuasion on matters of, of opinion or what have you, that I can still be respectful to them. I can still honor them. But I love the brotherhood. There's this intimate connection to the body of Christ. And I am fearing God more than I fear man. I am Ultimately, my allegiance lies with God. So yes, there are times that a human institution may pass a law or may demand something of its citizenship or may prohibit something from its citizenship that the church may have to respectfully disagree and respectfully um, disobey. Yes, that's true because my fear is ultimately to God. Again, let me say, I think those cases come far more rare than we would like to admit. But he comes back, and the last phrase of verse 17 is, honor the emperor. Look, when Peter wrote this, he was not under the leadership of a godly man. In fact, the apostle Paul also tells us to honor those that are given uh, civil authority. And so we have to remember that as we do each election cycle, when we go into the booth, in fact, I, I decided today, I think it's still in my pocket, I have with me the pen that I used um, this year to vote. It says I voted in the 2020 election. There's my proof to you that I voted in this election. And so when I went into my little, you know, my little booth and I got my pen and I started making picks of people that I was going to vote into human authority for our governor, for our senators, for our president, there was not one candidate that wasn't flawed. Every candidate had a sinful character. Every, because they're a sinner, every person had a personality that was not perfect. It was flawed. There was not a perfect person on the ballot. The only time we will see a perfect ruler and king is when Christ comes back. So we as believers wrestle with, well, how do I be politically involved? How do I submit myself to human authority when, in fact, they are flawed human beings? Well, when Peter gave us this commandment, he was under a carnal leader, a carnal 
emperor, a carnal political leader, just as we are today because we are submitting ourselves to imperfect sinners who have flawed characters and have flawed personalities. That is always going to be true. But here's the trick, especially for us that live here in America, is we have to understand that we have an opportunity to take our pen and vote for the candidate, the man or the woman, who closely, as close as possible, mirrors the commandments and principles and morality of Scripture. We are afforded that right in our nation to vote, and we should exercise that 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 right. But we also should understand that I have to submit to those that are in authority, whether I voted for him or her or not, that God says I am to subject myself to them and live as a law-abiding citizen honoring the person that is in a position of leadership, political leadership in this case. So on the one hand, we, we, I mentioned we have the error that sometimes as Christians we think we're out of here, we don't have to worry about it. The second error that I would like to caution us about in this regard to political involvement is our ultimate call as the church is not political activism. Our ultimate commandment is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our answers to life's problems are not ultimately going to be resolved in Washington, D.C., whether it's a Republican or Democrat in the White House and whether the Republicans or Democrats have the House and the Senate. Look, the answers are never going to be solidified to the to the human condition ultimately in Washington, D.C. Those things are resolved by the Church of Christ proclaiming Christ, proclaiming his resurrection, and boldly proclaiming the cross of Calvary. This morning before I, I came to record for you tonight, I was listening to a message um, that uh, I was listening to a, a speaker talk about the centrality of the cross and and our even our dating system, our calendar, BC and AD, they collide at the cross of Calvary. That is the centerpiece of history. And so when we lose sight of that and we believe the answer is in DC or it's in Raleigh or it's in um, I've lived in Vermont, Montpelier is the capital there, Dover, where I've lived in Delaware, um, or Annapolis in Maryland. We have all these different places um, that, we get, that we can begin to believe our answers are in Tallahassee when I lived in Florida. The answers are not in our capitals. The answer is in Scripture. It's in God's Word. It is in the cross of Calvary. So yes, be politically involved. Exercise your right to vote. But at the end of the day, fear God first. Respect him primarily. And so Peter, when he is giving this to us, we have to remember where he was and that he was at this point in time under a very carnal king. Now, there's a second area or aspect of human authority that I would like to talk about for just a few moments, and that is found in the next section of Scripture. And I'll give a couple caveats in this section as well, and I'll get to that after I read a couple of verses. After Peter talks to us about human political authority, actually, before I leave that, let me just remind you, too, that political authority is given to hold evildoers accountable, right? So part of our authority 
that the government has, God-given authority, is to hold people who are evil and do evil and commit evil acts to hold them accountable. And we as Americans need to remember that and understand that that is part of what our human government is called to do. Now, let's turn our our tables and our uh, attention to the second aspect of this. And that is found in verse 18. When Peter now turns the attention, he says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only do good to the to the to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure it, but when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Again, caveat. I, I don't have time in this session to get into all of the ins and outs on the issue of, of slavery in, in the time that Peter wrote this account. Understanding that the New Testament writers were not primarily social revolutionaries. That wasn't their primary goal. Their primary goal at this time wasn't to overhaul the social structures of the time in which they were living. However, Peter is commanding those that were Christians that were in a form of slavery. And by the way, don't think just of the American slavery problem that we had in this nation. And that is an immoral thing, by the way. But their slavery, it's a little bit different than that. Still wasn't right. I'm not defending that by any means. I am just saying that Peter's point in this wasn't to address slavery as much as it was to address how we handle injustice and how we live in a world where we don't always have a righteous person over us in leadership. So again, the New Testament writers are primarily here not defending or promoting in any way the position of of slavery, but they are simply talking to those who were in the situation of how they were to live in such a way that would show their masters the love of Christ and what Jesus can do in the heart of an unbeliever. By the way, and we I think we need to say this too, there are institutions that are God's creation, like the institution of marriage. Slavery was purely from the idea of of mankind, and so these slaves were certainly um, not to be, um, this form of slavery is not to be defended by any means. But believing slaves assumed, since they were free in Christ, they were free from their masters. This was culturally for them that they started to believe that. But converted slaves sometimes assumed leadership in the church, but they were still under their master's authority. In other words, think about this for a minute. I could be a master at this time, have a slave sitting next to me in the pew, and I'm his quote-unquote owner, and he is my slave. But in church, he may be a deacon, and I'm not. So this really was an interesting cultural scenario for them. And again, we're not going to dive into that at this time, that would be another discussion for another another time. But we have to also understand, Tom Schreiner, who's a New Testament scholar, points this out. It would not have been unusual for a slave to have more education than his master. Still, the slaves in the Greco-Roman world were under the authority of their masters and had 
to obey them as their leader. Now, rather than bog down into the discussion on slavery, let's apply this to really our cultural situation. For you and and for me, those of us that are here living in America, and you may be possibly watching us and you live in in a different nation, but for us here in this country, primarily we would apply this to our work environment. How do I deal with those? How do I conduct myself at my place of business? And I may work for a wonderful boss. I may have a tremendous person over me. I'm sure he or she is also sinful and imperfect, but I may work for a boss that is gracious and kind. Well, then I should rejoice in the Lord for that. But what if I work for somebody who is difficult, who is problematic to work for? Well, if I have placed myself in the in our in our American situation, I've placed myself under this person's authority, I have to honor them and be respectful to them and be subject to them and make sure that I am living in such a way that pleases God. I, I remember back a number of years ago when I was still in college, um, I became my my sophomore year, I became a, a resident assistant. And what that means in different colleges have different terminology, I'm sure, for what this is uh, indicative of. But I was in charge of a, a floor in a freshman hall, all freshman guys right out of high school. They were you know, 18, 19 years old, many of them living away from their parents at the fir- for the first time. And it was a public university. So there was a lot of things that went on in our dorm uh, that were very interesting to say the least. But when I first got hired, the second semester of my sophomore year, I worked under the authority of a man that I greatly respected. And he was a man that I, I looked to as a mentor. He was a man, young man that uh, was a very strong leader and a very positive leader. And he was a very real positive influence on me. Well, he was a grad student. Those that were kind of the uh, dorm leader over the entire dorm, they were graduate students. So hindsight being what it is, he was really only two, three years older than me. But I, he had my respect. And when this man asked me to do something, I, I obeyed him respectfully. Well, my junior year, we got a new resident director because that mine graduated and uh, moved into a different position at the university. And I worked under a guy that initially things were okay, but I want to say as time went on, it unraveled and I really did not respond well to this young man's leadership. Now, I, I will begin by taking responsibility for my own actions because I didn't always show him the honor and respect that I should have been giving him as my immediate boss, as my immediate supervisor. But I would always look for little things in his character that I didn't like or things that he would do in our dorm and and things he would try to implement that I didn't think were correct. I didn't think they were the best choice. And so rather than maybe expressing my opinion and then if he stood his ground, obeying what he asked me to do, it wasn't an issue of morality. It wasn't an issue of him asking me to do something in violation of scripture. It was just, I didn't always like what he wanted us to do. And so I developed a very negative spirit toward this young man. 
And I can remember our very final kind of exit interview at the end of the school year. He gave me a pretty negative uh, review for my performance for the year. And you know what? He was right. But I justified it. Because in my mind, he didn't lead the way my prede- his predecessor led. He didn't lead the way I wanted him to lead. And was he an error in some places? Yes, he was. But my error surpassed his because my error was to reject the authority that God had given to me in a place of employment. And then when I didn't like the way he wanted things managed or run, I would honestly rebel. And the rebelliousness in my heart began to creep out. Well, my senior year, just to kind of finish that story, I stayed in that same dormitory. And uh, my senior year, we got another new uh, resident director come in. And I remember he was uh, on the basketball team. He was he was just a great guy. Loved him as a person. And I can remember uh, one of the one of the first nights that the kids were coming back into the school, and so the the dorm was kind of coming back to life, and everybody was moving in. And I was on call that night, and I was on duty. And you had to walk the halls and check and make sure everything was okay. Well, this young man, his name was Jeff, and Jeff showed up and. And he started walking around with me and he goes, just show me, you know, what do you do when you're on rounds? You know, I'm, I'm new. I'm a brand new area director, a resident director. Show me the ropes. What do you do? And so I walked him around and we talked and we started laughing with each other. And at the end of it, I will never forget this. He pulled me aside. He said, I need you to step up and be a senior this year. He said, I need you to help me run this dormitory the way I know that you can. He never said another word to me about it, but I know this. He never said this, but I know this. I assume this. I don't know this, but I assume this greatly. He had read my evaluation from the year before. And I'm sure, I don't know what those notes said. I don't know what he saw. I don't know what he read. But I assume that he had been kind of tipped off, that I had been a little bit of a cantankerous, a little bit rebellious the year before and not doing what I had been asked to do. And he made an appeal to me. He didn't use the Bible. He didn't use any of those things, but he appealed to me to respect his leadership. And I will tell you, that was one of the best experiences I had. To be fair, I had three different bosses, three different people that I worked for. The first one I would say was the best. He had been there a while. He he was seasoned. He was mature beyond his years. Jeff was a great guy. Was he what the first guy was? No, he wasn't. He had different weaknesses, different abilities, but he was learning and he sought my help to help him become successful in what he was doing. And we created a very wonderful relationship. But the one in the middle to this day, long time ago, many, many years later, I still regret my behavior because I did not obey someone that was over me in authority with a right spirit, and showing him what being a Christian looks like. So I ask you as we end our session here, there's a lot to take in, and we could probably dissect this a little bit more, but are you a submissive person? Not blindly, not without questions, not without trying to understand what's going on or offering an opinion back. not saying that. But is your heart a submissive heart to God, to human leaders? Or are you a person who is given to a heart of rebellion? 
Are you placing yourself under the divine authority of God and under the human institutions that God has given to you? If you are a young person watching this, we did not talk about parental authority. We didn't talk about the Christian home for sake of time, but are you a person that submits yourself to the authority of your parents? Let me just leave you with a couple of verses. John 18, verse 36, Jesus said this. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been uh, what, uh, my servants would have been fighting, but I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. I already read to you Philippians 3, but let me read it again. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we understand this dynamic that as a citizen of heaven, we must live out life in this world submitting to human authorities in such a way that gives us the opportunity to preach the gospel and to reach the lost and to show them the love of Christ. So we have a responsibility to, as Peter says, honor everyone, be respectful, love the brotherhood, love them, fear God, Fear him ultimately, but also honor the emperor. And within our places of employment, be subject to our masters, those who are our authority and our places of business and where we work. I hope this has been a challenge to you. We will come back next week with one final session on this study of attitudes and kind of wrap up this whole series. And maybe tonight's session created some questions for you, and I would be uh, more than willing to answer those. Again, you can go to our website, gracenc.org. You can send those out to us, and uh, we'll try to get an answer out to you as quickly as possible. Again, I want to say that I'm sure there's much more that could be said about this topic, and maybe I created some questions in your mind that, um, that I didn't quite resolve for you. And again, I invite you to send those to me, and I'd be glad to answer them for you. Again, thank you for joining us, and uh, let me invite you to have a quick word of prayer with me tonight, and then uh, we'll end our time. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness and your grace, and that you give us the opportunity to live for you in this world. Lord, empower us to be good citizens of this country and to be honoring those that are in positions of leadership, whether that be a political leader or that be those that we work for in our places of employment and that we would do so for your glory and for your honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good night.